So I'm reading Romans 12, 3 to 8, on page 1139. That's page 1139. Four, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray? Um, it'd be great to have that passage open in front of you if you can. Uh, it's page 1139, and we'll look at that together. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you very much that we belong to you, that we are your beloved church family here, that we are indeed the apple of your eye. We pray as we look at your word together that we might grow closer to you, and closer to one another, that we might shine brightly in this community as your people here. Teach us and encourage us, we pray. Amen. When my children were at primary school, the government ran a program called the Gifted and Talented Program, whose aim was to offer extra support and opportunities to gifted children studying within the state sector. For many of us as parents, this was pretty controversial because it seemed at times just to scoop the most academic children off the top of the pile and give them opportunities for really fun educational courses and opportunities that their friends very quickly discovered they didn't have access to and began to feel very left out. They felt disempowered and felt that because they weren't great at maths or science or whatever, they were therefore without gifts or talents. I was not a fan of this, I have to confess. And hearing children and my children saying that they were unable to take part in an activity because they weren't sufficiently gifted and talented made me feel particularly sad, really. Thankfully, I discovered on Google yesterday that the scheme's been scrapped, so I'm very happy about that. <laughs> Scripture communicates something very different to the Christian church and to all followers of Christ. Not only is every person in God's eyes fearfully and wonderfully made, as the psalm tells us, we are made in his image with equal value and status before God, but so too each and every Christian has been given generously gifts from God to use for his glory. Now, this might be a natural talent to be offered in service of God, or it might be a, a specific and more surprising gift that we don't really understand or we don't expect, which could be offered to him in worship 
and help build up his church and reach the community. Whatever gifts the Christian may receive, Scripture tells us that they are lovingly dispensed by the Spirit of God, who determines and decides where they go. They are good and perfect, as James describes in his letter, and they are used for God's glory and in the service of other people, rather than to fulfill our plans and make us look good. Everyone has a gift from God, at least one, and some, many of us have more. And our call as God's people, as his beloved people, saved by Jesus, is to use those gifts because they are a free grace gift from God to us. If I'm honest, I really used to feel uncomfortable whenever I was, when I was a teenager and we used to study the gifts in youth group. I didn't feel remotely gifted. I wasn't very good at school and I didn't have that one thing that I loved or excelled at that it seemed many of my friends did. And once I remember a leader telling us that we had to share with each other the gifts that we thought um, God had given us, that was excruciating. The only thing that my neighbor came up for me was the gift of enthusiasm, <laughs> which frankly was probably just because I was quite noisy most of the time. <laughs> it just felt that someone had tried desperately to come up with something to say, and I felt very, very embarrassed especially compared to those musical geniuses or mathematicians or the people that spoke three languages or whatever it was. We often feel inadequate and compare ourselves, don't we? We can listen to lies that tell us that we don't have any gifts. Or we can spend time in God's word thinking about what he's got to say about the gifts he gives to the people he loves. So we're going to have a look at this passage together and we're going to put away our insecurities and the lies we listen to and instead we're going to ask, why should we step out for God and use what he's given us? So firstly, I'm actually going to take us to the first couple of verses in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 and I'm going to read them for us. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. In view of God's mercy, Paul writes, so for 11 chapters, Paul has been outlining to the Roman church the gospel that he loves, the gospel that has saved him and all those who trust Christ. He's addressed the issue of sin and the state of human beings as they stand before God and they face his wrath. He's beautifully and graciously drawn his readers to Christ, to the forgiveness he provides, to the new life he offers by the work of the Spirit and the invitation that he holds out to all those who trust Christ to become members of God's family. In short, or perhaps in long, when you consider it's 11 chapters, he's explained how merciful God is. And that because of his compassion and unending love, we're not treated as we deserve, but instead we're given a free gift, life through death and resurrection of Jesus. And that's where we start 
in Romans 12. Because everything that follows in the chapters ahead is in view of God's mercy, of what has gone before. In view of God's mercy, those that trust in Christ are to give him everything, to offer him our our bodies, our minds, our actions in worship. Not because we can earn his mercy, but because he's done everything possible to forgive us and make us right before him. It isn't optional. This is a call to a whole life, grateful sacrifice for him. It's not a passive, it's active. It's a call to live for him, to do stuff for him, for his glory. And it's part of the transforming work of the Holy Spirit so that we might know God's good and pleasing will. Using our gifts is not an optional extra for the Christian. The using our gifts that we've been given by God is part of this whole life worship of the Lord Jesus. And it's part of that natural response to the wonderful gift of Christ that we've received. So having established that, let's use our gifts with humility and not pride. Let's look at verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Young children are not always very tactful with their friends. And young children who've been told that they're gifted and talented are not always sensitive with sharing that news with those that are not. Certainly that was the experience of some of the children in this school and including mine. Being told you can't come because you're not gifted is pretty harsh when you're nine. But perhaps too in churches we've experienced something similar as an adult. Not felt able to do something because we're not as good at it as someone else. Not felt able to offer our musical gifts in the band because we haven't got grade eight. Or we don't feel as good as someone else. Not being able to help in the cafe because our cake baking gifts are not quite up to Mary Berry. Not being able to lead our prayers in the service because we don't think we can make the words sound quite as beautiful and poetic as another person. Frankly, this passage tells us that it's, that's nonsense. Paul says, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. I think this means two things. Don't big yourself up too much. Don't be like a clever child and and just kind of uh, drop into conversation your achievements and your abilities. Be really careful of pride. And even if you think you would never boast in that way, Be careful not to look down on others or judge them thinking that your gift is better than theirs. Because Paul emphasizes thinking in this chapter. Thinking is to be as renewed as every other area of our life. God sees the boasting and judging in our thought life just as much as whether we actually say anything or doing anything. So we need to be careful that we don't think we're superior to others because of our status our abilities, our background, our education, or our personal confidence. But we also need to be really careful to go to the, not to go to the other extreme, to think that we're actually rubbish, that we don't have any gifts, and we've got nothing that we can contribute to the life of this church because everyone else is better than us, and in fact, everyone else is much more spiritually sorted out than us. I'll wait. 
till I'm a little better sorted out. Because you see, that is false humility. And that's not what Paul means either. Instead, we need to think about, think about ourselves with sober judgment. We are all saved as Christians because of what Christ has done. We are all sinful people. It is a level playing field. No one person is better than another. Whether we have many gifts or we have few, whether we have a great deal of faith or whether we have, feel we have very little, everything we have is from the God who considers us to be his beloved, who loves us. We are all a work in progress, all with our weaknesses and our struggles, our insecurities and our doubts, but we all have something to offer him because gifts are from him. Faith is from him, however much we have of it. And it is our ordinary, everyday faith that prompts us to use the gifts that he has given us. And just as we can ask God to give us gifts, so we can ask him to give us more faith, so we might have confidence to use what he's given. Humility is about recognizing where our faith and our gifts come from. It's about serving in generous, quiet and committed ways because we love Christ and we love one another. Humility doesn't make a fuss. It doesn't show off. It doesn't complain. But it recognizes what we've been given from God and uses it. And yes, some people might look like they have a plethora of gifts and are up front and can be seen by others easily. But you know, some of the most beautiful gifts are those that are unseen and quiet, generous and gentle, that offer love and kindness to those that struggle most. I can think of many gracious, mature Christians with the gift of prayer, who you know when they say they are going to pray for you, they will do it. I have a friend with severe depression, she's had it for years, and she writes letters to young people at university to encourage them and let them know that they are loved by their church family. In my old church, we had a lovely girl with um, learning difficulties who played the cajon in the band. She played it very simply, but she had a great smile on her face, and it brought joy to the congregation and to the musicians, and most of all to God, that she was prepared to use that gift to serve him. I can think of many here who serve tirelessly in the cafe, who come and sort the flowers, who make cakes for every occasion, who put out tables and take them down, who get on week by week and look after and teach our children and young people. And there are many, many more. There are a plethora of gifts amongst us that God has given us to use for his good and for his glory. So thirdly, let's think and let's use our gifts for the good of the whole body. Romans 12, 4 to 9. Have a look at it. So the Swithin's church is a body. It's a body of different and diverse people who are growing in faith in Christ. And yes, we're all ages and we're all stages. And sometimes we rejoice together and sometimes we struggle together. But we are family. We are Christ's family in Walcott. We don't have an individualistic faith. We're not called to have a kind of a la carte religion where we just pick the bits that we want, make it work for us, and leave everybody else and everything else behind. As a body and as God's family, I think we're less like a menu and more like something on a menu. 
a wonderful, complicated, rich, tasty fruitcake. Not unlike Jeanette's fruitcake that is my new favourite. <laughs> the most incredible, varied and amazing different ingredients that when you put them all together create something unique and special that others want to be a part of and others want to have a piece of. There are plenty of metaphors that we can use to describe the church. Jesus was the first to use the body metaphor. He used it about himself at the Last Supper as he broke bread and said, this is my body, broken for you. And Paul continued with this image, helping us to see that the church as the body of Christ is both a metaphor, but actually an actuality as well. We are like a body. We have many parts that work together and different gifts and functions which work for the good of the whole. But we are also actually a body because we are Christ's body on earth here. He lives within each one of us by his spirit. And as he offered his body as a sacrifice for the sake of all people, we as a church are called to sacrificially give ourselves to Christ and to the community around us. The gifts that we are given as individuals are for the good of the whole, both here in St. Swithin's and in beyond. We're called to use them in the communities where we live, in our homes, in our families, in our workplaces, with our friends, with our neighbours. They build up the church, but they also draw others to Christ and they enable the church to shine brightly wherever we find ourselves. We're not all the same. We can't all be people who teach. We can't all be people who play the drums. Nightmare. We can't all run an office. We can't all manage a budget. We can't all understand a spreadsheet. We don't all speak in tongues. We're not all evangelists or prophets. But what a joy that God in his creativity and his generosity has such a wonderful, wide-ranging display of gifts to offer us. And when our gifts are used in service of God, we're reminded that we are united in Christ, that we belong to him, and that we belong to each other. And Christ is displayed for all to see. And people are drawn not to us because we're great, but drawn to the Lord Jesus. And we will increasingly shine as his beloved and beautiful body, becoming colourful and vibrant for all to see, sometimes rejoicing together, sometimes in a quiet way, but always faithfully obedient to our Saviour and always reaching out to others and affirming in others and encouraging the gifts we see in others. So let's use our gifts for the sake of the whole, looking for gifts in others, encouraging them to step up, even if it's scary. Yet let's use our words to build one another up and not to tear down, to affirm and not to criticize. Let's remember that we are united in Christ. We belong to him and to one another. And together, we have the best job to do in the world because our job is to reach others with the beautiful gospel the good news of Jesus and his wonderful grace and mercy for all people. As we finish here, 
are a number of gifts mentioned in the New Testament, which are the reminder they are not an exclusive list. So don't go looking down that and go, I haven't got that, I'm stuffed. That is not an exclusive list of gifts. But in these verses today, we've read a prophecy, service, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and showing mercy to all. And they're all really different. And what strikes me about this list here is that whatever Paul is suggesting in this passage to people, he's absolutely clear that they should be used and not hidden or denied or buried. If it is prophecy, prophecy, sorry, if it is prophesizing, prophecy, if it's service, serve, we just need to use what God has given us. Just do it to steal the Nike slogan. For some of us, we'll be wondering what on earth our gift is. Maybe we're still doubting that we have one. And so as a church family, I believe that we have to keep our eyes open, spend time together. And when we see what might be a gift from God in someone else, let's encourage them to begin to use it. Partly as individuals, we need to be brave. And if we think we have a gift, we need to speak up. We need to test it, try it out. Talk to me, talk to Tim, talk to your friends. But most of all, pray. Pray and bring it to God. Ask him, what can I do with what I have? You will never know the gifts you've been given until you step out and start to use them. This is not about filling jobs that in church. It isn't. It's about using what you have to worship your God who you love and who loves you. If you've got a wonderful smile, stand at the door at the back and welcome people in with your wonderful smile. If you can open your home to people, offer hospitality, invite people round. If you can bake, then bake. If you can listen, give people time and listen to them. If you love to pray, pray and keep praying. If you love to see things clean and tidy, then use that gift too. Explore, ask, pray, listen. You are all so deeply and wonderfully loved by God. He only gives good and perfect gifts. And he wants to give us as his beloved church here gifts to use for him. Today, we're about to enjoy a wonderful meal together downstairs, prepared by gifted people, gifted in hospitality, gifted in chopping. I've never seen so much chopping yesterday. Gifted in cooking, gifted in serving us, gifting in laying up tables, gifted in washing up, all offering their gifts so that we can enjoy fellowship together. What amazing gift that is, that we can spend that time getting to know each other, encourage each other, over a meal together. I wonder what our church would look like if every member used their gifts to bring glory to God and to serve others, from the very youngest to the oldest. What would it mean for our children and young people to discover and use their gifts from a very early age? I wonder what it would mean for us who are unsure and afraid to know the powerful spirit of God empowering us releasing us to step out in faith and serve him. Do you know, I believe our faith would increase. I believe we would have more confidence that we are indeed God's beloved church in Walcott. And I believe we would grow closer to God 
and closer to each other, becoming more and more the people of God and, and the church here that God longs for us to be. And I believe too that people would see the beauty of Christ himself and come to know the gift giver for themselves. So please do talk to one another. Come and talk to me and Tim or whoever. Talk and discover those gifts that you have. We're going to spend some time. I'm going to pray and then uh, I think we're going to sing. Um, let's just bring to God our Maybe our, our questions, maybe we want to ask him for our gifts. Maybe we want to thank him for what he's given us. Maybe we just need to look at ourselves with sober judgment and say, this is about you. What do you want me to do? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you, the gift giver, and we say thank you for your generosity. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your mercy on us. And we thank you that you long to give us gifts, not because we're so great, but because we can honor you with them, because we can uh, serve one another with them. We can bring you such delight as we use them. Father, please would you show us our gifts and equip us by the powerful spirit, by your spirit, to use them for your glory. May we be a church who love you and love one another. May we take delight in being your beloved people in this place. We thank you that when you see us, we are indeed the apple of your eye. We give you praise. Amen.